A preacher I know received a message from a fellow Christian, and here's just an excerpt of what was said in that letter. I keep thinking I should be doing more and doing so much better. I constantly have the fear and guilt that I'm not doing enough for the Lord, and I'll never be good enough for God to say at the end of my life here on earth, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you ever get to the point where you feel right and good about your relationship with God? Obviously, that question is stated uh, with a degree of doubt that maybe it's never possible to feel right and good about your relationship with God. I wonder if anybody here today has ever felt that way. And my guess is, for all of us uh, who are accountable people, we probably all have felt that way to some degree or another, wondering about our relationship with God. Have I done enough? That sort of thing. Specifically, the question that is being posed here is the idea of hope. Is it possible to have hope? Can we have hope? We want to talk about that in our lesson this morning and hope we can say some things that will be a help and an encouragement to us all as we seek to serve God in this life. Thanks for being here today. We're very grateful for all who are present. Uh, it's a good day to be able to come together to worship God. We're thankful for opportunities like this, and we never want to take them for granted. Uh, we're glad that we are able to come together and worship. Thanks for your part in this, uh, because by your very presence and participation, you are an encouragement to all the rest of us, and we thank you for that. We pray more than anything else, though, that God will be glorified by our service today, and that is our prime objective. We want to glorify our God in heaven. Thanks for being here today to be a part of this. Thanks to those of you who are visiting with us today. Come back every time you have a chance. How can I have hope? Is it even possible to have hope? That's an important question. And so I want to, I've got a whole lots of observations to make relative to this question. So we'll have to go relatively quickly through these things. And I think we could stop at several points and, and maybe spend a lot of time talking but first of all, I want to just remind you of what you know, or at least remind you of what you should know. I really think uh, that this is, the Bible is very clear on this point. Uh, the the Bible is not confusing. It's not a confusing document. It's very clear. So I think it's particularly clear on the things that have to do with salvation. So remember what you know. Remember what the Bible says. For instance, remember that the Bible tells us that all men are sinners. No one is going to be able to make it to heaven on the basis of their personal merit. I have worked so hard. I have done so much. Look at all that I have accomplished. Therefore, I have deservedly earned going to heaven. No, that will never be possible. If you think back to that letter or that excerpt of that letter that we just read, you might get the implication from what that person was saying that they, they feel like maybe I need to do more to earn salvation. Well, we're not going to earn salvation no matter how much we do because all men are sinners. Romans 3 verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, since all men are sinners... That necessarily means specifically that you are a sinner, that I am a sinner. Uh, when it comes to the, the problem of sin in our lives, it doesn't do any good to ignore the problem, deny the problem, 
redefine the, the terms, minimize, excuse. Sin is a horrible thing. And you are a sinner. And I am a sinner. And therefore we have done horrible things. Particularly, uh, the, the consequence of that is that we have offended God. You remember when Jesus was arrested and as he was being taken to be on trial leading to his crucifixion? In Matthew 26, verses 67 and 68, it talks about the people who were there were actually spitting in his face and taunting him. I'm telling you, that's such a a shocking thing to try and conjure that up in your mind's eye to imagine people mistreating our Savior in that fashion. And yet, you know, really... When you think about it, when we sin against God, we are doing effectively the same thing. We're spitting in the face of God when we sin. We need to see our sins as a terrible, terrible thing. The worst part about our sins, of course, is that the Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God. And that's what really matters. You know, in the final analysis, it matters whether I'm in a right relationship with God or not. Other things pale in comparison to that. My job, my family, my friends, my recreational activities, my possessions. All of those things fail in comparison to the question of, am I in a right relationship with God? But when when I sin, I separate myself from God. Isaiah 59 verse, verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. So, men sin, all men sin, you sin, I sin, sin separates us from God. But the good news is that God wants all men to be saved. You know, that's an incredible thing to say. That is just downright amazing to say that God wants us to be saved. Those of us who are miserable, wretched sinners. And yet He wants to save us. He doesn't want to save us because we're such wonderful people. Because we really are wretched, miserable sinners. He wants to save us because He's such an amazing, gracious God. The fact that He desires our salvation is a testimony about Him, not about us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, sometimes we picture God as, 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 as sort of a, a mean ogre who wants the chance to condemn us all to hell. He's just hoping that He'll be able to have a chance to send us to hell fire. That's not the right picture of God. The right picture of a God is the God is the picture of a gracious, good God who wants us all to be saved. We need to see Him that way. The fact of the matter is, not only does God want it to happen, but it's possible that it can happen. Every once in a while, you talk to people who have the idea that they have personally been so bad that there's no way they can be saved. Uh, Or maybe someone who pictures that they've waited too long in life to do the will of God. Therefore, it's impossible for them to be saved. That's not so. God wants all men to be saved. And all men, regardless of what the situation is in their life, all men can be saved if they will. The Apostle Paul used himself as an example of this truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, he spoke about his own 
salvation. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, he says, I was before a, pers- a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I really believe that Paul was saying there, if, if I can be saved, anybody can be saved. When he thought about his former life, when he thought about how he had persecuted Christians, putting them in prison and some being put to death, he was plagued by the memory of that, but he said that God graciously was able to save him. He called himself the chiefest of sinners. And basically his argument was, if God can save me, he can save you. If God can save me, he can save anyone. And that is a precious truth. God wants all men to be saved. Men can be saved. And furthermore, for those who have been saved by the love of God, demonstrated through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, there ought to be a degree of confidence in salvation. God wants us to be confident. When that same Apostle Paul was about to be executed, we think, near the end of his second Roman imprisonment. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 6, we think 2 Timothy is the last book he penned by inspiration just before his death. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me in that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Someone said, well, yeah, Paul could speak with that confidence because of the life of service that he lived. Certainly in his former life he was a persecutor, but he devoted all the last of his life to faithfully serving God. It's easy for Paul to speak with that kind of confidence. But notice he said that kind of confidence was not exclusive to him. He says it's available to all them that love his appearing. So we should be confident. Based upon what we know, we should have a degree of confidence concerning our salvation. We know that God is a merciful God. And that's really an important key to this confidence that we can have. Again, the confidence is not based upon our own work or merit. We're not going to earn salvation. By God's mercy and grace, we can be saved. God is a merciful God. Psalm 86, verse 15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. God is a merciful God. Remember the things you know. If you want to talk about how you can have hope, remember all these things that have been told to us and know that God will do the right things. You know, I make a lot of mistakes. And my guess is that you would say the same as well. We make a lot of mistakes in life, in in our dealings with one another, in various things that we're involved in. We make mistakes. That's just a sad reality of our existence here on earth. God never makes mistake. And so God will do the right thing. And in judgment, we'll recognize the great justice of God. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, it says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. God will do what is right. Okay, 
So our question for quick analysis here is, can I have hope or do I have to have that sort of depressed outlook that we've mentioned at the outset that was in that letter? Can I have hope? Yes. Part of it is based upon remembering what I know from the Word of God. Secondly, let me suggest to you, having hope can also depend upon me doing what I am able to do. Now, we already made the point we're not going to earn salvation. But the fact of the matter is there's some things I need to be doing. And if I want to have hope, I need to be busy doing what I'm able to do. Part of that would involve studying and learning the will of God. I've heard people say through the years, I I, I just feel bad that I'm not a better Bible student. Okay, that that doesn't have to be a permanent situation, you know. If you feel like you're not an adequate student of the Bible, you can change that. Don't resign yourself to the status of being a poor Bible student. You can apply yourself and do better. Work at it, study and learn the will of God. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 actually commands us to do so. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be both glory now and forever. Amen. So study and learn. Uh, You can do that. No one has to do that. In fact, truthfully, nobody can do that for you. You've got to do that yourself. Apply yourself to know the Word of God. And then having studied and learned the will of God, use it as a measuring stick to examine yourself. So you learn what God's Word says, then you compare that to yourself. You examine yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? Now, if you think about that, that verse definitely implies that it is possible for us to be able to determine how we stand before God. You know, I think a lot of people have this idea, well, I can never be sure how God is viewing me. I'm never sure my status spiritually. I can never be confident. I can't have hope because I'm not sure how God views me. That's not entirely so. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says that we should examine ourselves. Know your own selves how that Christ Jesus is in you. So I study and learn, and then I use that Word of God to measure myself, to examine myself. Therein I can begin to develop a basis of hope. Obviously that's going to require me to repent of every known sin. We understand the idea of repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change of life. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, it says, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world. We've got to repent. We've got to repent of every known sin. You know, we don't get to pick and choose here. If it's a sin and I'm doing it, I can't repent of most sins, but i got this one favorite one, uh, this this particular sin that that I'm sort of attached to or addicted to. I I can't do that. If I want to have hope, if I know I'm sinning, I've got to repent of, of whatever sin that may be. I can't have hope if I continue in my sin. So I need to repent of every known sin. And then I would add this observation. Be ready to repent of even unknown sins. We need to have the attitude that uh, if I'm wrong, 
Please show me, I'll change. Uh, uh, Why would we think otherwise? Unfortunately, sometimes we get locked into doing things the way we've always, always done them. And even if someone comes to us and points out that maybe what we've been doing is wrong and we need to do it differently, we sort of get defensive and unwilling to change. But if I want to have hope, I not only need to repent of the, the sins I know I've committed, but I've got to be willing to repent of any sin that I find out that I am still doing. Be ready to repent of even unknown sins. Certainly pray. Prayer is an effective thing. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5, verse 16. Pray. If you're a Christian, you have a privilege that other people in this world do not possess. We very often hear people in the world talk about praying. And they, they, they typically don't pray until they, they get themselves in some kind of an emergency situation. And then they, may, then they may say, well, I was praying like crazy uh, when that was going on. They don't typically pray, but they want to use it as sort of a panic button approach. Not for us. We as as the children of God have the invitation to come before His throne of grace, to approach Him in prayer, to get help for in time of need. And we need to use that power of prayer. Certainly, we need to resist the devil. We've talked very many times about the fact that the devil is a real enemy. Unfortunately, sometimes we cooperate with our enemy. We actually surrender to our enemy. We let him win. Don't let that happen. Resist the devil. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. And so we need to avoid. We, we definitely do not need to go cooperatively in the direction that Satan wants us to go, resist the devil. We need to take the safe course. Whenever there's a question about what we should do, where we should go, how we should act, we need to take the safe course. For several years, Gordon drove a school bus here in Murray County, but Gordon is actually from up in the mountains of southwest Virginia. So Gordon, I think, can relate to this story, and you've probably heard it before, but... There was a school district up in one of those mountainous districts that was going to hire a new school bus driver. They had three potential candidates for the school bus driver job. And so the fellow who was going to do the hiring took those three fellows up on one of those mountain roads. Gordon knows where some of these are. I've seen them myself uh, around uh, Pound County, Virginia. Uh, So, no, that's Dickinson County, Dickinson County, Virginia. Uh, there's some places where you drop off several hundred feet if you get off the edge of the road. So this fellow took these three potential school bus driver candidates uh, to a place like that. And he said to the first one, he said, how close can you get to the edge of the road here without going off the edge, slipping off the edge? And the fellow said, oh, man, I could get within a foot of the edge of the road there, and I'd, I'd know I'd be safe. He said to the second guy, how close to the edge of the road could you drive this school bus? He said, well, I believe I could drive that school bus six inches. I could get within six inches of the edge of that road. I think I could be safe. He said to the third guy, how close would you think you could get? And the fellow said, I wouldn't even see how close I could get. I'd try to stay as far away from the edge of that road as possible. He said, you got the job, right? Take the safe course. There's a real spiritual application to that story. We should not try to see how close to sin we can get 
we need to see how far away we can stay. Take the safe course as you resist the devil. And then let me suggest to you, obey your conscience. Now, we understand, we've talked about this lots of times, that our conscience is not the perfect guide spiritually because consciences can be deceived, consciences can be seared, uh, consciences can even mislead us. But a properly trained conscience is a valuable thing and we need to always honor our conscience, not violate our conscience. In Romans chapter 14, verse 23, Paul says, He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if it violates your conscience, don't do it, because in violating your conscience, you have sin. In that way, if no other way, obey your conscience. So, there's some things you know, or at least you should know, revealed by the Word of God. What you know is important for your confidence. What you can do, then, is also valuable and essential. And if we, if we remember what we know and do what we can, there's a good basis for hope there. Finally, let me suggest to you that ultimately trust God. Do you ever have a friend that you could trust at all times? Uh, a, a friend who was always there, who would always be available, who helped you in every way that you possibly could be helped. Uh, I hope you've had friends like that, a friend or more like that. I have. I've been blessed to have friends like that. God is a friend like that more so than any other. God is a friend who can be trusted. He is such a friend, and that is the bottom line. So, yes, remember, yes, do, but then trust In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it speaks of the hope of eternal life, which God God that cannot lie promised. Now get that. It speaks of the hope. That's why our, our, our whole study has been about hope. Can I have hope? Well, there is a hope of eternal life for those who know and do the will of God. God promised that, and God can't lie. And so trust God, right? And we can have that hope. It's really a precious thing. Hope is a precious thing in this world. There's so much uncertainty about our existence here. And sometimes it seems worse than others. Times seem more uncertain than others. But through it all, we, as the children of God, have the basis for hope. We can have hope. The answer to the question, can I have hope... The answer to that question is an affirmative yes, we can have hope. Do you have that hope today? That's what we need. If you don't have that hope, then you need to make whatever changes are necessary so that you can have hope. If that means first becoming a Christian by obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, but you understand the plan and you understand your need to obey that plan, if that's your status, then we would, we would urge you to do that. So you can have hope. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful to your Lord, you've fallen back, you've, you've surrendered to the devil. If that's the case, we beg you to come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.